We got 22 minutes of fluff we can sift through in order to find a good cold open. Hey, that's my favorite. I like I like searching for bits. I'm a bit finder. That's what they called me. Mm. All right. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't admit to that. <laughs> I do like how you wrote down that our names are J and K, which are the names of the main two characters in Men in Black. And oftentimes our bits end up going that direction too, where you're like grizzled podcast hosts, like now, now. And then I'm like, woohoo! Let's erase all their minds. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, <laughs> get together, have a few laughs. Oh, uh-oh, shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Wait, put the freaking gun down on the ground right now. Take your shot across the freaking street and say that until we come and get you. Hello and welcome to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way, a Phil Podcast. Oh, hello, back hello. At you. Hello. I forget that I'm saying this to you. I'm always assuming that I'm saying this into the ether and we're like two newscasters and like for wwe because i think you're i think technically it's both but that's a good that's a good call that's a good plug anyways (laughs) that's my sweet treat is the wwe uh (laughs) i love me some what we all right uh hello and welcome to where there's a there's a way film podcast about the multitude of works by bruce willis my name is josh carter and i am kendrick martin today we'll be covering the whole nine yards directed by jonathan lynn written by Mitchell Kapner. This is your first time listening to this podcast. What we do here is an in-depth breakdown of a movie starring Bruce Willis, both from a film perspective and his individual contribution. We then add the movie to our ranking, talk trivia, do the Wheel of Willis. I am so excited to get back to that Wheel of Willis. Mm, Yummy, yummy Wheel of Willis. Um, Uh, We don't eat the Wheel of Willis, by the way. You just spit it. Oh, I thought it was like a cheese wheel. Uh, well, I guess it could be both. You probably do spin a cheese wheel before you eat it. I, I always do. That's my favorite way to do it. Have you never? Did you ever play like split, spin the block when you were a youth and you like spin a block of cheese around in a circle and whoever it points to, you have to take a bite out of the cheese and then you just keep spinning it until somebody taps out or the cheese is gone. I think that's how you got an STD or something when you were a kid. Oh. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Lactose <laughs> transmitted disease. Uh, the S is silent. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> I'm lacto intolerant. All right. Anyway, so before we dive into discussing this movie, we're going to give you guys an idea on if it is. That is Kendrick's part. I skipped over a full <laughs> fucking section. I was just going to let you go with it. But... <laughs> Okay, man, we are, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> We're like all, uh, all, all willied, all our Willis's in a Bruce. Um, okay, you can find our previous episodes over at WillisWayPod.com. Find other podcasts in the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network over at LastoftheActionHeroes.com. Remember to rate and review us on iTunes. And if you figure out how to do the same on Spotify, do that and then send us a screenshot so we know that it's possible because um, we don't believe you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> then make sure to tell everybody about our podcast. So no joke, right before we recorded this, I wanted to see if anyone had um, reviewed us on Spotify, which if you're listening, according to our statistics, 
um, our stats man, he told me that a good chunk of you are listening on Spotify. So there should at least be some rating and reviews. But I still can figure out how to do it, even though I logged in, I followed, I you know gave the podcast a high five. No, really no idea. I guess I could Google it. There's probably like a YouTube video or a TikTok or something on how to do it, but I'm not going to do that. I'm recording a podcast. Yeah. Speaking of podcast, before we dive into discussing this movie, The Whole Nine Yards, we're going to give you an idea up front if we think this movie is worth watching. Uh, sometimes people want to go watch the movie before listening to our discussion. And so we just want to let you know if this movie is worth watching or if it's uh, worth not watching. Not worth watching? If there's not any worth to its watching. <laughs> I'm not a financial guy, but uh, our system is f- is flaw proof, and <laughs> that's not the phrase flawless. Our system is flawless. <laughs> it really has been a long time. the The ranking system we have for breaking movies down is we rate them a Bruce Willis out of a Bruce Willis, and the more Bruce Willis a movie gets the more we think it's worth watching. So if it gets at least a Bruce, we think this movie is worth going out and watching. Uh, Joshua, Mm -hmm. the whole nine yards. What would you rank this movie? I think I'm going to give it a Bruce. Wee. that's a Bruce W I Bruce. Wee, yeah. What about you? I'm going to give it a Bruce will with one L and Mm. I'm excited to, get into this because I want to chart your journey from episode one uh, blind date to now, because I think there are some threads that connect them. Mm-hmm. And I remember how aghast and agape and appalled at that movie that you were. And now you're giving this movie a Bruce. Wee. I'm excited to hear this uh, hero's journey you've been on. <laughs> I don't even did we. Yeah. We didn't even rank blind date back when we watched it. Cause I think that we came up with that like this the next episode e- or did we we didn't even do sunset either no was like sunset wasn't done either I, I think it was like several episodes in that we invented our patent proof system yes but before we get into talking about this movie we're gonna read some emails josh you want to read an email yeah so we got a few different emails from hannah And I am not going to read out the whole of all of the emails, but in one of them, Hannah said, I've also just recently started working nights. So when I have time, I let y'all keep me company and uh, we appreciate that and we approve. So if you listen to this while you are also working nights, thank you for listening. Thank you for the wheel of will suggestions and thank you for your support. Thank you, Hannah. If you're listening and you want to send us an email, you can do that by emailing williswaypod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at williswaypod. If you want to support this podcast, you can go on over to anchor-fm slash willis-way, and you can hit the support button there. Send us some money to help keep this podcast going. You can also head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, apparently, and leave us a star rating and review. In theory. In theory, yeah. Or, better yet, why don't you email us a YouTube video on how to leave a a Spotify podcast (laughs) review? Then we know you really care. Yeah, exactly. 
or send us on like what what are those geo things called where you have like geocache old, yeah geocache send us a geocache that has like written instructions in it on how to do that and then uh let us go find that you're telling me you would leave your house travel mm. to some unknown destination mm. to figure out how to go back to your house and log uh, on to spotify and oh, click a button ooh, uh you know, when you phrase it that way, the whole leaving my house bit, I did forget that that was a part of geocaching. Um, please do not break into my house and leave a geocache within my home. So, mm. yeah, I, I retract my statement. Do you think geocaching exists in Second Life? Um, you know, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The, you know, the way that americans tend to look at stuff is that if it's not explicitly mentioned that it's not there it probably is there so you know? second life is more than just americans you know <laughs> i yeah but like is it is it it seems like uh seems like we're doing a pretty good job of running everything down here so probably going to be in charge up there too. true true yeah. i don't particularly no like the movie hot tub time machine but uh-huh. there is a very funny bit at the beginning when a guy is in second life and he was put in prison in second life. So in second life, he's serving his term and in in prison, he's just lifting weights. So he logs on every day to sit in prison and lift weights. Nice. Which I thought was very funny because really we're all in a prison of the internet. Oh yeah. All right. So before we keep going, (laughs) let's take a break. This episode is commercial free. Thanks to us running out of commercials. All right, now we're going to get into the whole nine yards. Can you move any slower than this, fellas? Hi, you must be our new neighbor. I'm Nicholas Ozaransky. Call me Oz. Jimmy. Jimmy Jones. Have we met before? No. I remember I got a thing with faces. You all right? Yes. You look like you got some gas. That's Jimmy the Tulip Tedeschi. Jimmy the Tulip was a hitman. Sexy. Sophie, the man's killed 17 people. Let's go for a drive. A drive? Look, Jimmy, I certainly don't want to die. Better get used to it because you're going to. What? Everybody dies. Sooner or later. (laughs) Have you vomited recently? A minute ago. I was just going to brush my teeth. I'll wait. Okay. You were right about him. This is one exceedingly sweet man. I can't think of nothing finer than a fine naked woman holding a gun. Bruce Willis. It's not important how many people I've killed. What's important is how I get along with the people that are still alive. Matthew Perry. He's a little upset. I've managed to upset a mass murderer. Aren't you going to cry out for help? Would it do any good? No. Time to rock and roll. The whole nine yards. <laughs> that audio is from the trailer of The Whole Nine Yards. I'm going to go ahead and read the description from IMDb. A struggling dentist's life is turned upside down when a famous gangster moves in next door and his wife convinces him to inform a notorious mob boss about the gangster's whereabouts. 
And you can find this movie on Tubi or for rent on Video On Demand. I actually found out that I had a DVD copy of this movie in a box of DVDs that was my wife's. So oh, that's okay. how I that's how I watched this gem. Nice. Um, is she a big fan of it then? She did enjoy it. Yes. Okay. She was a, she she has a lot of DVDs, so I'm not going to like use that as a sort of barometer. As the barometer. She liked it. <laughs> Some but, people you just like look at their DVD collection. You're like, how often do you watch all of these movies? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. You know, 20 years ago, I would go to the Blockbuster or the Hollywood video and look at their used DVD selection and buy stuff. Yeah. But uh, now I have stopped that. Yeah. You you've gone pretty digital, you'd say. Yeah, I have like a handful of stuff that I wanted the Blu-ray of, but Mm -hmm. yeah, for the most part. Yeah. um, All digital. Um, If I see a Bruce Willis movie at a store and it's for what I would pay to rent it and it looks like it would be okay, I will typically buy it. So I have several Bruce Willis movies that I have not watched yet that I own on like on DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> like Cosmic Sin and Yeah, yeah, you know the good ones. Just the good ones. <laughs> you know me, always bringing up the good ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> um speaking of the good ones, this trailer for the whole 9 yards had what I would consider to be a lot of spoilers for this oh, movie. Oh yeah. Which uh brings up the question, is this movie spoilerable? Should we demarcate this discussion with some spoilers? Or should we just say we're going to spoil the whole movie? I th- I think the plot has a couple like twists, but I wouldn't say you'd be surprised if you watch this movie. And I don't think knowing them ruins the experience. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think that there's some good surprises that are worth protecting if people are interested in the movie. Um, so like, what's your like 30 second pitch if you had to give one for like why somebody should watch this movie or not? And then maybe if they survive the pitches, then we'll just go spoiler full for the rest okay. of it. So this movie is my favorite uh, character that Bruce Willis plays, which is mm-hmm. funny, super skilled man in a world full of morons. And uh, he plays it perfectly. And um, he doesn't have to uh, show a lot of emotion, which I think is sometimes where Bruce Willis's characters break down. And he also doesn't have to be an extreme physical badass. Uh, he's just like a competent assassin and everyone else is kind of freaking out because he's an assassin, which I think, you know, all those elements work together. Plus it's got a, some good slapstick. Um, it has some early two thousands bad fashion. What's what? Give me your yeah. thoughts here before we go into spoilers. No, I agree with all those. I'm, I'm just going to echo what you said, if you are a fan of Bruce Willis, I think that this is a good watch. If you listen to it because you just love hearing our, uh, our gibbers and jabbers, uh, don't, don't think that it's going to be like the most amazing movie ever. And you should go like seek it out just based on its own merit. But if you're already a fan of the Willis, I'd say, uh, put us on pause and go give it a watch. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, then uh, from here on out, all this talk is uh, no promise of no spoilers. So we will probably be spoiling stuff. But um, yeah, we'll uh, proceed. All right. So from the from the get go, 
it's i was trying to figure out why this movie was set in montreal and i don't know why like i'm pretty sure it's i didn't i didn't look it up but i'm pretty sure it's filmed in montreal yes and this movie doesn't have is not a big budget and montreal is an unusual place to film a movie although it has a lot of distinct landmarks it's such a strange place to be filming a movie in my opinion and it's set in the summertime so we don't even it could be anywhere pretty much in north america because it's just like pastoral suburban montreal and then an office building and then they fly to chicago for a big chunk of it so why montreal just why not just put it right outside of chicago or something yeah or 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 minneapolis or like anywhere else in the midwest i I don't know i just thought it was funny and the fact that they filmed it in montreal like there's some downtown montreal locations that are filmed there um i don't know about the suburban shots but i thought that was funny and then it just added this like interesting canadian twist to the whole movie yeah yeah which they didn't really like reference all that much it's just like how do you like living in location of shoot location of shoot is blah 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 something about location of shoot like it could have been filmed anywhere and just like sub out three lines and you're good to go except for the fact that there's a little bit of french speaking in this movie and like the first 10 minutes of the movie and then a french accent that despite oh. my pro- protestation uh continues throughout the entirety of the runtime oh, yes so <laughs> did you know that the uh rosanna arquette um accent was nominated for a stinger's bad movie award for worst fake most annoying fake accent that accent was nominated for a whole stinkers bad movie award yes there's a stinkers bad movie award for worst accent more sorry sorry no no no. the the it was nominated for most annoying fake accent which means that it can't be just annoying it also has to be a fake annoying accent oh yeah I mean, calling somebody's accent annoying when that's like how they speak is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, but lie. I don't think the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards are like the paragon of our moral abstaining uh, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. Uh, they can be right a few times and then, uh, you know, still be fa- fallible, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. a good point. It's a good point. Don't, uh, don't put your gods up on a pedestal. That's what Kendrick's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also don't put Stinker's Bad Movie Awards on a pedestal. Right. Right. Not that that's my god or anything. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think of Matthew Perry in this movie? Um, yeah. So I actually wrote quite a bit about it. I wrote a little review about this movie on my letterbox. So go check that out if you are interested in reading that. But I did talk a little bit about him because I have seen a bit of Friends, and his delivery seems like it's pretty damn close to Chandler's delivery. Like he even does what feels like, especially in the beginning of the movie little pauses whenever he is uh, done talking after a funny bit as if there's supposed to be a laugh track there. And it's like, this is a movie. There would not be a laugh track here, but some of his delivery felt a little wonky. But then as the plot starts to like go to crazyville, I feel like his sort of offbeat delivery, uh, Blando normal guy really works in his favor. And it, it's great. And then towards the end of the movie, I again did not like his performance. Um, but in the, the most interesting parts of the movie, yeah, his performance worked for me for sure. Yeah. What about you? I thought the same. I, um, 
don't really care for friends that much. Mm-hmm. And that's I why you watched... uh, you live by yourself. Yeah. 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 Uh, and my enemies, actually. Yes. I only live with my enemies. Okay. Um, I, see. I um, found him to be fairly like standard. Didn't didn't really have any like any notes for him. He's supposed to be kind of the straight guy in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his profession of dentist was a funny one. And uh, not only because of the um, like use of a, of getting out of uh, the, the plot reasons at the end of the movie yeah. for him being a dentist, but more just the funny, funny nature of dentists and dentist offices. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that profession is just kind of comical in it more so than like a regular doctor. It is um, the funniest profession, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but <laughs> um, no, I totally agree. I was just like most of the movie, like what the fuck does him having a, being a dentist have anything to do with this? And then every time I was like, well, I'm still glad they made that choice. And then at the yeah. very end of it, when they justify it in text, I was like, Oh, I didn't need it to be justified. I was, I was on board with it. Yeah. Uh, so at the end, when um sk- skipping forward here the end bruce willis has to they like adjust his molars to match up with a different guy or they, they adjust someone else's they basically like fake dental records mm-hmm. um to make it look like he's dead there's a long post on imdb about how that's not possible and you're when you look at dental records it's not just where the fillings are but it's like your bone structure which i didn't really think about it but yeah it would be real dumb if they just compared your fillings because yeah who among us don't have like the same teeth filled? Like, yeah, out of uh-oh. however many millions. Tom of people. <laughs> and Tom and John both got their third molar filled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very silly, ex- hand wavy explanation. Oh yeah, and the best part about it is that it's not brief either. So yeah, if it I were know. brief, you could be like, ah, blissfully unaware, and then instead yeah. it's like. What if we explain and show all of the different dental stuff that has to happen? And yes, like, they go into the time great passing detail. as if I can't feel the time passing in this long ass segment of the movie. So I'm much so detail. Annoyed. <laughs> yeah. So much detail spent on that. Yep. What did you think of the um, slapstick nature of this movie? So I mentioned that you hated Blind Date because mm-hmm. you did not like slapstick. Blind Date and Sunset both had a little more slapstick comedy. This movie slapstick, but not to the extreme of Blind Date, though still had some slapstick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that it was okay. Like the whole door bit is like one that did not necessarily work for me as much. Um, but Matthew Perry, like almost falling over in the chair and like tripping over the lamp because he's literally scared shitless. I was fine with that stuff. That stuff has uh, worked out pretty well for me, mostly because everybody else is playing it straight. And that's what I love to see in these sorts of movies where like every single person is playing it super, super straight. And there's one person that's totally in over their heads. And it's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I uh, I like that sort of stuff. So I thought I thought it worked for me. Yeah, I liked it, too. I also liked the physicality that Michael Clark Duncan brought Oh, and yes. When he's like roughing up Matthew Perry in the <laughs> hotel room. Um, I thought that was all really funny. Yeah. I also liked a bit. They, this is in the trailer where he's freaking out and he throws up and then the woman shows up 
and she's like gonna kiss him but he's she's like uh did you vomit recently mm-hmm. and he's like i did i'm gonna go brush my teeth <laughs> that all yeah. i thought that was all really funny oh yeah um yeah the uh like head crime boss of the oh god he's um, so funny canadian or the the sorry the chicago crime Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Pollock. Guy, Kevin Pollock, and yeah. he plays this character in Marvelous Miss Maisel, yeah. <laughs> and he—it's just such a ridiculous character in both <laughs> pieces. But in Marvelous Miss Maisel, he's playing this like old, older, you know, dad grandpa figure <laughs> who's just this very like Yiddish. You know, he runs a garment business and he's always he's just very animated. And in this, he's like a mobster, also animated and strange and funny. I was like, oh, my gosh, this. Yeah, he is great. This uh, man is a treat. I would definitely put him on my list of like if we're going to go over a different actor. I think that doing like a Kevin Pollack, uh series would be kind of oh, fun because yeah, he is be fun. really fun to watch. Um, he was also in like an episode of From the Earth to the Moon, I believe. Uh, Cause I watched through some of that like a year or two ago. And I was like, man, this guy, he is good. And literally everything I've seen him in, um, yeah. even if the stuff around him is not the most amazing, he is still fun to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a real yeah. treat looking at his IMDb. It looks like he does a lot of um, VO work. He was in, ah. uh, he was in a transformers animated show. He was in some Batman animated show apparently. Mm. Um, but also he was in something called, um oh dang i just lost it shark lumbo shark lumbo is that like colombo but yeah i don't know if it's shark colombo or shark lumbo it's all one word (laughs) but he plays the voice of shark lumbo oh man the title Um, character (laughs) so yeah i want to look this up (laughs) oh maybe we'll do a uh a bit on that at a different time but that'd be anyway, good. that'd be good. Uh, yeah. Kevin Pollack. Wonderful. Yes. Um, yeah. And there definitely, was some... Oh, go ahead. Treat. Yes. There is some other stuff in this that I like too. Like I thought that some of the dialogue was pretty fun and um, the, uh, <laughs> there's like a good bit of double speak towards the beginning where mm-hmm. uh, like uh, not Chandler Oz Oz uh, Matthew Perry is figuring out that his neighbor is a killer. And then there's intentional double speak where uh, Jimmy is trying to figure out or slash knows that Oz knows about him. And it's just this great scene where Jimmy will say stuff like, uh, like, well, you got to be ready to die. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> Matthew Perry is like, uh, and he's like, cause we all die. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah yeah um yeah i like that sort of stuff i wish that there were more scenes with them together as neighbors at the beginning and less scenes with them later on because i didn't totally buy their friendship but i guess he's super lonely so maybe he makes friends really fast yeah um some of the tension like midway and this is kind of what's spoiled by the trailer is in the first like third to second third um you're kind of made aware that uh, Matthew Perry's wife has hired Bruce Willis to kill him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we as the viewer aren't sure if he's going to go through with it and and try to kill him and kind of become this like 
killer for hire and Matthew Perry has to be on the run the entire time. Mm -hmm. And not, it's not long, but there's that period of time. But then, and then Bruce Willis is basically like, no, I'm not going to betray you. You're my bud. And I was also there kind of like they just met and they went for that drive one time and shared lemonade or whatever on the porch. Um, I think it would have been more fun to see. I would have wanted more antics and less time with Matthew Perry bouncing around Chicago, having oysters and and stuff. Um, Did you know, I just looked this up, the writer of this movie, Mitchell Kapner. Mm -hmm. This was the first thing he wrote. Hmm. And he only wrote uh, like six things. Yeah. One of which was the Oz, the Great and the Powerful which is great because in this movie at one point they call Oz the character Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, verbatim. I don't think I've seen Oz the Great and Powerful, although there is a sequel apparently announced. Yep. Um, you know, James Franco, at... extremely bankable, so that's good for them. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, and he did like a couple other smaller looks like looks like straight to tv movies Mm -hmm. but i was kind of surprised and then he also did the sequel to this movie the whole 10 yards which we will get to at some point in 2004 in 2004 um so it's interesting that i thought the dialogue was pretty good in this like you said i thought the Mm -hmm. jokes were all really well delivered and um the back and forth kind of wit there was really funny i know i think we've talked a little bit in this podcast i know that writing for in hollywood is complicated especially because um, if, uh, if you write a script and then someone else modifies it, you're still given like the writer credit because you wrote it, even though if someone else did extensive rewrites, I, I know there's some, there's some, um, complicated rules. Of, yeah. Writers uh, guild rules or whatever. Yeah. About getting credited. And, um, even if you end up doing most of the writing, but someone else like wrote before you, you might not even get fully credited and stuff like that. Although mm-hmm. he's the only credited writer on this movie. So I assume that it's pretty much him and the director who put together the script for this movie. It would have um, been him and then other people who are so minor that they did not get credit. But, yeah. yeah. But um, it wasn't like, uh, a, you know, he wrote a the script and someone came yeah. and rewrote it or anything. Um, yep. So all that to yeah. say, I thought he, the script is good. I liked it. Um, uh, you know, I thought the jokes all worked. I thought this cast seemed to really work well together. I, like I said mm-hmm. in my opening bit, Bruce Willis playing this uh, kind of comedic, stoic, straight man um, worked well for me. What do you think yeah. of the rest of the cast? Um, the Bruce Willis's wife, um, Cynthia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every time I saw her for like a split second, my brain thought she was January Jones. And I don't know. And I was like, wait, is that January Jones? And then I like did the math and I was like, no, I don't think it could have been. And then I looked it up and it obviously wasn't. I don't, I think uh, she would have been too young, mm-hmm. but um, even watching that trailer again, I was like, oh my God, was that, is January Jones movie? But uh, yeah, I had forgotten it was not her. But mm-hmm. what do you think of uh, the, the two female leads her and then so natasha hend hensridge hen hensridge hen something um and then amanda pete was the um yeah assassin for hire that had a crush on bruce willis 
Yeah, I like the Amanda Pete quite a bit. I thought that um, the lady that played Cynthia, Natasha Henstridge, I thought she was all right. She was like kind of along the lines of Matthew Perry, where totally serviceable might have been improved by having somebody that is better at uh, comedy. Not that she was like bad or anything, but it, it I don't know. It just wasn't 100% there for me. It was like probably a, a nine out of 10 or whatever, but somebody who's like a comedy genius, I think probably could have done a little bit better with the role, um, but totally serviceable. But Amanda Pete, I thought was really fun to watch as that character. Cause you start to get like the feeling at the beginning that she is not entirely who she says she is as she's like, yeah, ha ha ha. You should like totally get somebody to take care of your wife. Ha ha and then matthew perry's like oh yeah if only that was a real thing and then she's like see you later and you're like <laughs> oh okay yeah there's something going on there um but yeah, yeah I, I liked her she was fun she had a lot of screen time for like a minor role and then she kept coming up and then yeah. you find out oh she's like an assassin in training <laughs> Uh, which I loved that, like her getting the intern or whatever for the Bruce yeah. Willis character. I was like, God, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was that was good. There's a there's something else that I wanted to talk about in here that I really like too towards the beginning. Oh, um, one of the uh, one of my favorite scenes towards the beginning was the scene where Matthew Perry realizes that Bruce Willis is this assassin character and they go through all of these like photos and it's very quick flashes of him realizing and like cutting back to his face being like, Oh God. And then going back to like newspaper reels of things happening and stuff like that. Um, but there was a few things that I loved about that sequence. One um, there's a uh, courtesy of IMDb. They pointed out that, two of the pictures that we see are from earlier Bruce Willis movies. Did you catch those at all? No, I did not. Oh, so I caught one of them, but I didn't catch the other one. But when it says, uh, there's a newspaper picture that says his two lips are sealed is actually a, a picture of him from die hard Two, <laughs> And then there's another one that says, uh, conversation with a contract killer and it's a picture a still from him in the movie the jackal just like straight up literally copied and pasted and i was like oh my gosh that's amazing that's so i love i love that but also during that entire thing there's like super stocky sound effects of like camera flashes and gunshots and stuff like that and then i was laughing because i kept recognizing them as being in this one video game splinter cell that i played a lot when i was younger like there's the night vision goggle like as like one of the sound effects in there randomly (laughs) i'm like oh my god i love hearing sound effects that are the stockiest of sound effects wow where they don't even modify the pitch or tone or anything well you see josh they sprung all their budget on filming in montreal (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah it was great but yeah I, i i liked that whole bit and then from there you get to like all the good stuff of the movie which is all the like double speak and the running away from the mob and Kevin Pollack and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At one point during this movie though, when this movie kept going from like bad thing to worse thing to even worse thing to like 
everybody's gonna die i wrote down while in my notes i was like how the fuck is there a sequel to this movie question mark question mark question mark (laughs) and they do tie it all up at the end maybe a little bit too much but uh but yeah i have a lot of stuff i want to talk about with the ending do you have anything else you want to talk about with uh from before that uh so i have a couple things i want to bring up one i've been watching the wire on hbo i've never seen the show before people often kind of hold it up as one of the great one of the tv greats yeah yeah one of the tv greats um I have had a bunch of time off for paternity leave and I've been staying up late taking care of a baby. And so I've just finished season one of the wire. Nice. And it's, um, I believe it comes out in 2002 season one. This movie came out in 2000 or 2001, uh, 2000, 2000. So yeah, they're really close to one another in time. And, uh, the wire, the TV show is heavily based around, um, wiretapping, hence the the title, mm-hmm. and they wiretap payphones and pagers, and so pagers may play a huge role in the wire. Mm-hmm. And it's funny watching this element of history that only existed for a short period of time because they were invented and then they were used, and then not long after they were used, cell phones became easier to use than pagers. Yeah, and so uh they pagers did not have a long life um, but people who use them use them all the time and this movie they use pagers mm-hmm. and uh i was laughing at the the similarities in that kind of like crossover technical museum of uh of our history is uh using a pager have you ever used a pager before josh i have yeah so when i was growing up uh going to church because I went to a quote unquote mega church. Uh, I'd say it's a mega church, like a few thousand people per service. Um, the like kids area, the young kids area, they had pagers to get a hold of the parents if like they needed to go run and do a thing. And so at one point when I was wandering around there as a youngster, um, probably probably nine or eight or something like that, I got to like use the little pager and test them out and stuff like that. But that's wow. my only experience with uh, pagers is in a church setting. So I have a very uh, churchy sort of association with pagers. Oh, so you only assume people are paging God when you see pagers. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. I, I figured how that's worked. Imagine the other funny... that's how you prayed, though. You're just like, God, hello, God, can you can you call me? Uh-huh, yeah. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's my callback number. Yeah. Uh... yeah. The other funny um kind of like uh crossover bit quote unquote between the wire and this is the early 2000s were a terrible time for men's fashion oh yeah and big suits everybody everybody <laughs> wore these unfitted shirts <laughs> that are just constantly look untucked and just disheveled <laughs> and they're like three sizes too big mm-hmm. and they're just terrible i know not everybody yep. wants to rock like you know, sexy bod vibes, but just, man, so bad. I'm glad. I hope we don't go back to that era. Yeah. 
Matthew Perry running around in just terrible clothes in this movie. <laughs> well, he wasn't even the first person I was thinking of. I was thinking of the Mark Michael Clark Duncan. He has like this giant jacket on and he's already like a bigger dude. Yeah. And his jacket, he's just swimming in it. And like his little sleeves are so big. <laughs> they hang down to where like a person could put their head inside of his sleeves while his arms are in there. <laughs> like they're huge. It's like for uh when kids want to dress up to be a human they have to they buy that coat because they can all all fit inside of it yes it took me a second to realize what you were talking about with kids when they want to dress up as a human i was like do you not think that kids are people kendrick josh as a new parent i can tell you no kids are not a human uh another another aspect of this movie i want to talk on before we get to the ending the title um Mm -hmm. I don't understand why this movie's called the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. At one point they say the whole nine yards, which is great. Always like checks the box for me when they say the title of a movie in yeah, the movie. Roll credits. <laughs> but um the whole nine yards, I what? Yep. And also, isn't the is it correct me if I'm wrong, you since you're the football uh knowledge house here. Oh yeah. The whole nine yards is like you you have to run the whole nine yards to get a a first down in in the football oh, i don't know uh yes oh. yeah that's right yeah that's right um okay. i'm gonna confidently say that that's right because <laughs> i want people to email us okay cool <laughs> so i'm curious as to what the whole 10 yards are because yeah. that's just everything and more yeah um now that you're done uh, talking about that, do you want to hear the IMDb trivia part about the phrase, the whole nine yards? Sure. Hit okay. <laughs> um, so you're somewhat right in that they reference the term, the whole nine yards within this. Um, but apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I said one correct thing. Apparently. It's always good when you call out what I said, right. You're like, so um, I'm say not everything you said was wrong. Yeah. I, uh, I would not have, I would not have gotten this. Um, but anyways, the whole nine yards, according to the IMDb trivia section, the whole nine yards is a phrase from the 13th century. It is a bolt of fabric or nine yards. When a monk would be walking up to purchase a monk's habit, the tailor would say, here comes the whole nine yards as it took nine yards of fabric to create the monk's habit. Hence the term, the whole nine yards. Uh, that's one explanation. Other- that's a lot of fabric. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I don't I haven't verified that it's actually nine yards of fabric, but, you know, uh, others include the use of cloth for uh, saris. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that uh, kilts and burial shrouds. Another use is in the sense of cubic yards of concrete and another from the length of a machine gun belt from a British Vickers machine gun but no use has been traced to any time before about 1850. And that's what it says on IMDb. Nothing about uh, nothing about football, sadly. Well, that's good. I just assume when anybody <laughs> talks about yards, they talk about football because who, oh, else, yeah. who else does yards? Nobody. Nobody. Also, they're in Canada. They should have been using metric. <laughs> the whole nine meters. Yeah, the whole or nine meters. The whole, whole 10.38 meters or whatever the... The math checks out too. I'm so yeah. mad that somebody's going to send an email. They're right now composing their email. Like, actually, if you use a calculator, you moron. <laughs> so Josh, don't be so hard on yourself when you write in the own email. 
Oh, so good. So good. Um, yeah. Sorry. That was a, a whole bit. What, what, what else were you going to say before the ending, though? That was it, though. I was just okay. curious about the name. I'm uh, glad we got to yeah. the end of that, though. <laughs> we finally got to the end of that whole nine yards. Oh. Hey. All... You're good. This is a bad habit, all right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, okay. So one of uh, one of the other things that I wanted to say about the ending, I'm going to say something good about the ending, and then I'm going to say something bad about the ending. So what I consider to be the climax of the movie is this whole sequence where several people die. Uh, all of these paths cross where it's like the wife who set up that she's going to Niagara Falls is back and she's trying to get this hitman guy to kill Bruce Willis or no, to kill, uh, to kill Matthew Perry and Matthew Perry is trying to escape Cynthia and warn Cynthia. Cynthia is trying to warn Matthew Perry and escape. Um, Bruce Willis is trying to kill uh, the bad guys coming after him and then his wife. Um, and then uh, the other guy, what's uh, Frankie Frankie's along for the ride, but also is presumably in it for something other than that. He might've had his own ulterior motive. And then the bad guys are there to kill Bruce Willis and then Cynthia. So all of these things are happening all at the same time. Um, I love that they set this all up. And then there's one part where there's a lock picking happening and then the lock picking, they pointed this out on IMDb and I was like, Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. But the lock picking shown is actually correct lock picking where there's a, uh, a pick for setting the locking pins. And then there's a torque wrench to hold the pins in place while you're turning the cylinder at the same time. Um, but I've watched so much of the YouTube channel, the lock picking lawyer that it just was in my head. Like, yeah, that's how you pick a lock. I didn't even catch that. They actually did it right on screen. I was like, Oh, that makes me so happy. Um, so that was great. And then this whole sequence that happens once they break into the house, wonderful, but then it's over. And then there's still like 30 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. We did praise the writing of this movie. Although that is a pretty atrocious. Yes. Uh, series of just conundrums as soon as we find out that um <clears throat> matthew perry's wife uh the contract killer he had hired was actually a cop i was like oh man this movie's still got a lot legs. of shit to figure out this <laughs> movie's still got legs to run upon um yeah and it just kept going from there and yep. the bummer is nothing unexpected happened. You know that our heroes are going to make it out alive. You know that the people in love are going to stay together. You know that once they've killed all the bad guys, the only question remaining is, is Bruce Willis going to kill them? Mm -hmm. And no one believes that's going to happen. Yeah. And even if it had just ended ambiguously, like, well, the cops are coming, but we'll figure it out. Like I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I would have preferred this movie end ambiguously because then you have all this room open for a sequel to have like your genre opener of your next movie be fixing all of the last minute things from this movie. And you could be like, it doesn't matter that we wrote ourselves into a corner because we have a whole three years or whatever to rewrite the next movie and then 
figure out our way out of it. Or alternatively, if you do want to solve all these problems, you do it via montage over the credits. Like you just roll the credits and then you cut away from the credits to show the ex-wife being like, I didn't know that, uh, or whatever her accent is. She's like, oh, but I did not know that uh, uh, I was hiring a concha killer, blah, 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 blah. She died, right? Didn't she die? No, the ex-wife doesn't die. She just runs away for a second and then she gets caught oh, by the police. That's right. Then I thought think she that got she killed, killed running away. Yeah, but it's like yeah, yeah, they yeah, do yeah, all this right, like right. Return of the King style, like multiple endings. And you're just like, God, yeah. you haven't earned enough goodwill to justify yeah. ending after ending after Bruce ending. Willis sailing away to the far off misty lands or whatever really, uh, yes, sealed sealed this movie for me. Oh yeah, uh, the the end where they're on the boat and it's just like, will he? Will he kill them? And then he pulls a beer out and then he's still like, will he kill him? I'm mm-hmm. like, oh come on, yep. Enough movie already. Finish it up. Yeah. Which yeah. is too bad because this movie, I feel like they maybe they looked at the runtime and they're like, well, we need a little bit more movie because um, it's not quite long enough when it really would have been helped by having a little bit of trimming on the, the beginning and then quite a bit of trimming on the end because that middle section is really fun. So yeah. it's just yeah. too bad that they didn't you know, go back through and fix it up a little bit it would have gotten quite a bit higher on my bruce willis ranking list if it had done that but yeah yeah if they had spent a bunch more time bruce willis doing funny bruce willis things oh yeah um unless at the end will they won't they uh speaking of bruce willis should we talk about bruce willis's performance yeah it sounds good specifically that's we haven't got to do we haven't gotten to do this in a while oh yeah i'm rusty um so i think i've already shown my hand in that this is my favorite kind of Bruce Willis movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much more of these kind of movies we have looking forward to starting from now. Um, he did not get any uh, award recognition for this movie um, either direction. A lot of times he gets those stinkers, bad movies. Um, but this time they were only for the bad worst fake accent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh Amanda Peet um was nominated for a Blockbuster Entertainment Award for for favorite supporting actress and Michael Clark Doug Michael Clark Duncan Ian, yeah. was uh also nominated for that same um award. It's funny uh I'm looking at the IMDb awards here, the Teen Choice Awards. Um Amanda Peet was nominated for Choice Liar. Uh, which is a great uh, award. And Rosanna Arquette was nominated for Choice Hissy Fit. <laughs> what are these awards? <laughs> I don't know, but I've, I'm now getting more ideas. When we finish the, our next uh, season of uh, this podcast, I'm going to have some more ideas for awards to give movies. Oh, yeah. Choice, choice Hissy Fit. Choice, choice Hissy Fit. Choice Worst Fake Accent. Yeah. Oh man, is this accent worse than the accent that's in the jackal? Because I don't uh, think it is. Uh no, probably not. I also think that Billy Bathgate had some pretty bad accents, if I recall correctly. <laughs> God, I don't even want to remember that that movie exists. But but also North had some pretty fake accents. Yes. Were they the worst? I don't know. Yeah. 
Yep. It's all hard questions to answer. Yeah. Man. All hard questions. Um, but back to Bruce, back to Bruce Willis. Did you know, you probably know this if you read the MDB trivia, uh, Bruce Willis's kids are in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a scene where they're at the, um, like the park or the fair or something. And they're walking through kind of crowd of people and children are seen running through the background. And those are played by Bruce Willis's kids. Um, I, uh, when, when doing some research for the Star Trek connection for this movie, um, was like polling all the cast and crew and I was like sorting it. And I saw that, um, rumor Willis was on there and I was like, wait a second. And so then I started digging in and I saw that, um, totally flew over my head though while watching, obviously. Hmm. Was she in a star Trek work or was that? No, I was just pulling the cast of this movie. Oh, okay. Um, and sorting it. So fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I, I like Bruce Willis a lot in this. Um, I think in my review of the movie that I posted on Letterboxd, uh, I talked about how fun it is to watch him play like a super heightened Bruce Willis character that's played sort of as a joke, but he's playing it straight. I like sort of s- stuff like that. He's kind of playing like a jackal sort of character, but he's mm-hmm. doing it within a comedy which works a lot better to his strengths i think because like you Mm -hmm. said he's not the uh you know he's not able to show the deepest depths of emotion like some actors and stuff like that but he does really great comedy and at this point he had been known for his action stuff so by putting that action lens um against comedy i think works really well for him yeah i think um he has really good comedic timing and mm-hmm. really great deadpan delivery. Um, which is why I think his, uh, when he tries to play like pure comedy roles, he struggles because, um, his delivery is best done when deadpan. Mm-hmm. And when he's in a comedy movie, uh, it's not, he's usually not delivering his lines as deadpan. Mm-hmm. And then, good point. um, like you mentioned, he's also well known for his action movies now. And so by playing uh, against type, but utilizing that stereotype, um, it works a lot in his favor. I don't think if he had just started out with this character, it would have had the same resonance because people would have oh, just no. been like, who's this guy? He's kind of funny. Um, yeah. You could, to an extent, pick kind of anybody else to play the Matthew Perry character. But this Bruce Willis character, you couldn't really have too many other people play because you need somebody that's kind of already seen as like a scary action man. Yeah, exactly. uh, Playing it and somebody that's really good at comedy. Like, can you imagine if it was Sylvester Stallone or Arnold or whatever in this Mm -hmm. role? I don't think it would have worked nearly as well. You could maybe do it with like a Pierce Brosnan, but that's, going to be a different movie entirely so yeah 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 and um bruce willis also didn't go camp which i think would also been really easy to do in this yeah um so yeah i thought he threaded the needle perfectly yep same here um i did not look up uh reviews for this movie i'm curious as to what the audiences thought of the whole nine yards did you look at this up well i looked up what it got on rotten tomatoes and it got like a 43 percent. i think 
So let me see. I wrote it down. It got some kind of low. Yeah, I got a 43%, which seems low, like that most critics would not like it. And it didn't do that great money-wise either, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, it's it seems like the people who like it really like it, but it just didn't make a big enough splash apparently to be a, a favorite for generations apparently. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it doesn't have um, there's like very little cultural touchstone to it, and so mm-hmm. unless you're a real big friend head uh, who's like just watching all the works that are done by the uh, former cast of Friends, Sc- Scream, and this movie, I guess I don't know. There's got to be other stuff, um, episodes, and uh, the. Uh... What's the movie or the show that Monica was in? Cougar Town. In Cougar Town. I didn't know you're a friend head, Josh. This is I'm learning something new. My wife is uh, what I would consider a friend head. Um, So I know about it through osmosis. Oh, uh, well, um, anyway, back to this movie. What I was going to say was uh, Roger Ebert gave it a positive review. Hmm. He said so. I it's it's listed on Wikipedia, although the the um, footnote for the review is missing or it's mm. uh, leads to a, an empty page. So I don't know where the actual review is. But according to IMDb, he said um, the highlight of the movie was Amanda Pete's performance as Jill, which Ebert called perfect. I would agree that her performance was really funny, though. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think basically what I'm saying is we're Roger Ebert. Oh, yeah. With our level of film criticism. I'm Raj. You're Ger Ebert. Oh, Ger Ebert. Ger Ebert. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, anything else you want to say about Bruce Willis, Joshua? Mm. Uh, oh, one, one other thing I will say. Not Bruce Willis's acting, but... Bruce Willis, our boy, is a music uh, maestro, and at the song, the like song that plays when they show establishing shots of Chicago, there's like a blues band that's playing in the background, and that's Bruce Willis's band. And then he's so playing I, the harmonica in the background. I heard the harmonica, and I turned to my wife and I said, "Oh, there's a harmonica. I wonder if Bruce Willis picked that out." <laughs> but I didn't ever look it up. Um, <laughs> so funny you mentioned that. While we're on the topic, I watched this a while ago and I don't recall my, I wrote some notes and I don't remember them. So maybe you can help me out here. Mm -hmm. What do you think the note of fly catching means? Oh, at one point in the movie, Bruce Willis, there's like flies flying around because they read in the trivia that apparently the houses that they rented, there was a huge fly infestation in one of them. So they couldn't like get shots without flies sometimes. But at one point, Bruce Willis goes and snaps the fly and then he just like, sticks it in his mouth and goes like, and he just spits it across the room. And I was like, man, that was great. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that's what that's about. I'm guessing. Oh, okay. I remember bringing this now. I just uh, <laughs> was like reading through my notes and I was like, fly catching. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it down as the fly business. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, all right. I'm glad we solved that mystery. Yep. Any other mysteries from there? Nope, that was the only one. Okay, sounds good. Oh, uh, one last thing I was going to say about the production of this movie. The soundtrack for this movie, um, we've already covered famous famous uh, soundtrack maker, makers before on this podcast. 
And did you look up who did the uh, soundtrack for this? I did not know. So the soundtrack was, I want to make sure that I get the, the name of it right. The soundtrack was by Randy Blankman. And that Randy Blankman is Randy Edelman, not Randy Newman. Um, Cause apparently <laughs> there's more than one Randy Blankman that does <laughs> music in Hollywood. Wow. Uh, this is um, reminding me though, that there was a funny piece of trivia and the IMDb trivia was submitted by um, the person from the movie that the trivia is about. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, about the credits of the film. Liana McOwen-McCon is listed in the credits as a stand-in for Rosanna Arquette, when it should read as Liana McLennan. I worked as a stand-in for Rosanna Arquette when filming in Quebec. The correct spelling of my name is Liana McLennan. Each day, my name would be spelled differently on the call sheets, McLean, etc. Each day, I would find I would correct it. In the end, I am listed in the credits as Liana McOemicon, which I find quite amusing. Oh, is this in the goofs? Uh, it's listed under crazy credits. Apparently, that's its own category on IMDb. <laughs> What? That's amazing. It's its own category. I, how am I not able to find this? Well, I believe you. That's amazing, though. <laughs> yeah. So if you're on, if you're a little behind the scenes here, if you're on the whole IMDb page for a whole nine yards and you scroll down past the storyline. Oh, the synopsis, there we go. It's a yeah, there's trivia, goofs, quotes, crazy credits. Man, that is funny. <laughs> Sorry, person that your name got. Got yeah. written down L- wrong. <laughs> Liana Oma Econ. <clears throat> That's funny. That's uh that's pretty funny that they would go in there and write that down about themselves. <laughs> I, <know>. I, <laughs> I wonder if they just haven't done that much stuff or something. I just Googled them and I could not find anything in there oh weird uh like i could only find their name in that one article maybe rosanna arcoet um did uh did away with her maybe maybe oh it's because i was using the wrong spelling (laughs) (laughs) i looked up the right spelling and i don't see anything either other than a bunch of like other people with that name Oh, is this the person on Twitter? This person's from Canada. So maybe. Maybe. But they all they post about is hockey. Okay, this is boring. And I'm also way off track. I've lost it. I've lost the plot. Hold on, Josh. Let me reel you back in. <laughs> no, it was a movie reel, not a fishing reel. Oh. <laughs> that was a good sound effect. Thanks. All right. Well, that's our fun, crazy credits, as they say. As the kids let, say. Let us talk about this, the box office. That's what we do next, the box office them box office okay so box office for this movie um they spent 41.3 big ones on it 
and they got back. <laughs> I sent an electric shock to you for saying big ones. <laughs> um, they spent $41.3 million on this movie and they got back $106.4 million, which is a return rate of 2.5 ish. Um, so it did better than it uh, like could have, but not as good as it could have. Wow, you're good at this. <laughs> good analysis is me. Um, yeah, but no, th- this movie did well enough to get a sequel, but it didn't like blow any any uh, records out of the way, and it wasn't a. Um, it was certainly not a look who's talking box office smash for that tiny budget every time i look back at that budget i'm just so surprised because it's only seven and a half million dollars and they got almost 300 million dollars at that movie at the box office oh crikey um quick plug here uh since you're a box office nerd every sunday afternoon almost every sunday on twitter film podcaster david chin and um film writer Scott Mendelson hop on a Twitter space and discuss the box office uh, of that weekend, like the mm-hmm. top five movies. And Scott Mendelson works for Forbes. He writes like the ticket booth column, I think it's called. And he um, has a bananas knowledge of box office numbers. He will be like uh, this movie, you know, made $8 million its opening weekend. And then second weekend went on to make $5 million. And then he'll just pull another movie. He'll just like compare it to, you know, another he'll be like, uh, this. So when Matrix came out, uh, the Matrix four last December, he mm-hmm. was comparing that to the 47 Ronin movie because that was like the last Keanu movie that did that had the same numbers. And he was just like throwing the the numbers uh, out there and like charting the, the week by week drops and talking about all these different factors in box office is just. Wow. Blows my mind way beyond any sort of mathematical comprehension I could have. But yeah, it's a great listen. Some people, when they get into like their, their expert area, they uh, can just blow away people. Even if it's not something that you would normally find super, super fascinating. It's just amazing getting to hear them talk about it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, much like our audience feels when they log on here, us listen to Bruce Willis. Exactly. They're like, wow, these guys talking about something that they, have expertise in so professional (laughs) yeah okay sounds good are you ready to get to the star trek connection Uh, yes, I am. All right, this movie did not have any high, uh, big name Star Trek connections. Um, several people who worked in the art department uh, came up, but one I wanted to call out specifically, and that is a guy named Gerald or Gerald Quist. Um, he's a makeup artist. I call him out specifically because he was Bruce Willis's specific makeup artist for this movie. And uh, he did the makeup artist for Bruce Willis specifically, 
for the whole nine yards, the story of us, the sixth sense, the siege, Mercury rising, the jackal, last man standing. Uh, he then goes on to do the kid, unbreakable bandits, hearts war. He's basically Bruce Willis's personal um, makeup artist in all of his movies, but he also did makeup for 125 episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. Wow. Wowie Kazowie. Way to go. Yeah. I wonder what the first, I'm looking to see what the first Bruce Willis movie um, he worked on. It looked like it was Last Man Standing. Surely the uh, highlight of Bruce's career. Yeah. Uh, the last Bruce Willis movie he did was Death Wish in 2018. Mm. So it parted ways, apparently, and has not done the myriad Bruce Willis movie since then. He I wonder did, if that's uh, like the last real Bruce Willis movie before the geezer teasers. Death Wish? Um, there was that There was that movie that came out in 2019, 2020, um, called like Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah, Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah, with uh, Ed Norton directing. Yeah, that movie had like an American theatrical release. Yeah, which I the rest of Bruce Willis's newer stuff has not. Yeah, so I differentiate that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the Star Trek connection. Sounds good. Well, Kendrick, um, now's come to the point where we get to rate this against all of the other Bruce Willis movies that we've watched so far. So we haven't had to do this uh, much very recently. So you're going to be flexing a muscle here when you're doing oh, this. Oh yeah. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Riding uh, aboard the struggle bus, if you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've already placed it on my list, so I can go first if you still need a second. Yeah. Uh, you go first. Okay. So I decided this movie for me is like a somewhere in the range of three ish stars. I did like that middle section a lot, but the end and the beginning kind of bring it down for me. So I am going to slot it in, but it's not a terrible movie by any means. So I'm going to slot it in at number nine, right behind in country and right above the siege. Uh, wow. That's funny because, um, I am uh, pretty right there with you. I'm going to put it at number 10, uh, which is right behind Die Hard 2 and right uh, in front of The Last Boy Scout. All right. Nice. I forget that you tolerated uh, Die Hard 2 more than I did. Man, I, I do not like that movie. One one iota. <laughs> one iota. Yeah, but you northed it up too. So Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Kendrick, do you know what time it is? Josh, it has been months since I've known what time it is. I've been stuck <laughs> in a timeless wasteland for so long. The void. Tell me, what time is it? Well, I uh, just uh, checked my grandfather. I Not a grandfather clock, just my grandfather. I asked him what time it was, and he was like, well, grandson, it's probably about time to, to you know, uh, whisk that wheel. And then I said, the, the what? And they said, the wheel of Willis. And I go, oh, okay. So it's wheel Does of Willis. Does your grandfather know uh, what we say every time 
we, uh, we spin the wheel? Well, you know, I think I accidentally gave it away. <laughs> so, yeah, your grandfather's told, a real spoiler. Yeah, but, uh, he is. He told me ever since I was a young lad that the thing that you say whenever you spin the wheel of Willis is whisk that wheel. You couldn't tell, but I was trying to do a grandpa voice there. <laughs> okay. If this Bruce Willis character approached you at a bar, would you go home with him? And this question was submitted to us by Hannah. Um, in the universe of this question, do I know he's the tulip killer? Um, you think, or do you think, think I'm just so. like a bartender? Okay. I don't think uh, you're a bartender. I think that you're a bar patron. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, I would go home with him. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I think so. I think so. He's uh, extremely charming when he wants to be in this movie. And yeah. he's like gives off exceedingly normal vibes considering his profession. So I don't think I, uh, yeah. there'd be like sexy time spending the night at his house, but we'd probably go and smoke a cigar and drink fine yeah. whiskeys on his on his patio. Yeah. He'd offer you like a beer from his cooler. And you're like, are you going to yeah. shoot me? And then he's like, oh, no, here's a beer. Yeah, we'll <laughs> go out on a boat. And I'll be like, you live on this boat? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we both say yes. Um, but yeah, thank you for the question. We appreciate that. Um, and if you ever have a Wheel of Willis suggestion, feel free to send it in. We do have a lot of them at this point. Um, so might take a bit to get to yours, but we whisk it and we say it out loud. And we go, oh, God, why didn't we vet these? So <laughs> <laughs> if you want that experience for us, uh, whether or not we edit that out, uh, go ahead and send them in. Exactly. Uh, OK, Josh, we are at the time now where we close out the episode. Um, but before we finish up. We are going to do our sweet treat. So every episode, we end the episode with a little recommendation, something we enjoyed, something we watched or ate or ate while watching. Um, if you have a suggestion uh, of your own sweet treat that you want us to read on air, you can email us, williswaypod at gmail.com. Um, but Joshua, what is your sweet treat? Yeah, so my sweet treat is uh, recently I went through and I watched all of the uh, the Batman movies uh, that were theatrically released leading up to the Batman, um, or I caught up on the ones that I hadn't seen, basically. And so my sweet treat is to stay as far the fuck away from Batman and Robin as you possibly can. Oh, yeah. Yep. Good call. That's my sweet treat. Good Thank me later. <laughs> When the Batman hits uh, VOD, we should do a little Batman retrospective on uh, Batman things. Yeah, that uh, that sounds good. Have you uh, yeah. have you caught all of his uh, other movies before? Um, all of the other Batman movies. Yeah. I did not see Batman vs Superman. Okay, and I haven't watched any of the animated shows. Okay, uh, Mask of the Phantasm is good, but we can talk about that. There's like maybe one cartoon that I would say to watch. That's the one that was theatrically released. All the other ones are varying levels of quality, but yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun to do a little Batman talk. Nice. Um, for my sweet treat, I have two, one because it's a TV show that I just started and I feel like I can't 
give my full weight to this recommendation, mm. but I still want to bring it up. And that's the show Peacemaker on HBO. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's basically a spinoff of John Cena's character Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad movie, mm. which which we talked about last year. Um, it's also by James Gunn, who did the Suicide Squad. And uh, it is like completely in James Gunn's wheelhouse of the type of story he wants to tell. Um it has that humor that you get from the Suicide Squad and from Guardians of the Galaxy and other stuff that he's done, but it's uh, done in like an episodic, hard R, just ridiculous over the top format. And John Cena is so funny. Mm. I am loving it so much. Uh, <laughs> I hope John Cena goes on to do like all kinds of wonderful things. I love this wrestling to Hollywood funny man pipeline we have with Dwayne the Rock Johnson and also not John Cena and Dave Batista. Uh, yeah, yeah, David Batista that's another one. I feel like there's another one that I'm not remember that was like prior to The Rock. Um but anyway, what's uh, Andre the Giant? Would he be considered one of those two? Oh, maybe. He doesn't have uh he's not as um I think what makes these other wrestlers so great is their their wrestling personas are like big, strong, kind of scary, tough guys, mm-hmm. and then their their Hollywood personas are just ridiculous, goofy act, action here. They're not playing like Bruce Willis in Die yeah. Hard or something, which you would think would be the easy carryover. Um, but in Peacemaker, it is just so dumb. He has a pet eagle named Eagly, and <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just very silly, very enjoyable. Nice. Um, the other thing I do want to recommend, because I've seen more of it, is a show called The Bureau. Um, it is a French show. Um, it is available to stream on Hoopla, which I believe you can get through your library. Um, or it's on AMC Plus if you have that streaming service. It is a spy show about the French equivalent to the CIA, which is uh, the DGSE. Mm-hmm. And it is about a group of kind of French spies and they're going undercover in different African and Asian countries. And um, it's great. Uh, Super enjoyable. uh, Very French. um, And if you like spy thriller dramas, uh, it's great. It's funny. It was watching that and I was watching The Wire kind of back to back. Mm -hmm. And the Bureau... um, is more recent so i'm like in season three or something and that was set in 2016 and uh the wire obviously was set in 2000 and so they're both doing similar things with a lot of wiretape tapping and and spying on people but the bureau is using more modern um cell phones yeah and not uh and also wearing nicer clothes but that's because it's french and they would also have presumably a higher budget presumably the french uh like secret agency or cia or whatever has a higher budget than like wherever the wire is set police department yeah baltimore, baltimore um it is funny it is funny uh the dgse is like french france's cia and yet it's like six cubicles and an office building i think there's more floors that were not seen more never people shown. most people work from home at the french cia you know <laughs> yeah it was, it's just like wow you know, here in America, we devote an entire building to the CIA in <laughs> in Paris. They have they share it with like sanitation or whatever. I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah, oh, super, so super fun. It's like uh, got a really interesting story and a lot of twists and turns. Um, so that's the Bureau. 
Okay. Sounds good. Well, thanks for those recommendations. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. If you want to follow uh, Kendrick on Twitter, you can search for him at K Martinex. That's K M A R T I N I X. Or you can see his other work at kmartinex.com. And if you want to find Josh online, you can go and search him under the handle at Joshing Carter. Next episode, we're going to be covering The Kid. Have you seen The Kid, Josh? Uh, I've watched some of Bruno the Kid. Is it a spinoff? Mm. I'm going to say no. Oh, okay. <laughs> then no. <laughs> uh, I I believe this is another movie that my um, wife really liked because I think she keeps bringing it up. Uh-huh. Um, is she going to be on that episode? Uh, I haven't asked her. So oh, man. Special um, guest. Special guest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll need a babysitter unless oh. we have uh, two special guests. But <laughs> um, yeah. That's exciting. I don't know what the kid's about, so I'm guessing it's about a kid. Uh, Isn't there a Adam Sandler movie where he becomes like a dad, but he doesn't want to become a dad? I think that's the one with the remote, where he becomes a remote. No, that's the movie called The Remote. The Remote. (laughs) Or No, that's Click. (laughs) Uh, But The Remote is a stronger title, I think. Yeah, you're right. There's a movie where he's like peeing on a wall, and his like son is also peeing on a wall, and that's the movie poster. Anyway... That movie that may or may not exist is what I think of when I think of this movie, The Kid. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I don't know that I have any predictions for this movie other than we will at some point. Uh, actually, I'm going to I'm going to guess that Bruce Willis is going to be like, you're all right, kid, at some point in the movie. Do you think he's going to say you're all right? The, the kid. kid? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to predict that. You can predict that if you want to. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to say, you'll always be the kid. You'll always be the kid. <laughs> Just like a Humphrey Bogart sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You'll always be the kid. <laughs> like... Yeah, you can tell we're really good at writing. Uh, writing stuff. Oh, writing yeah. jokes. Just tremendous. Real, real good at writing jokes. Can you imagine if these were all pre-written jokes and we had to back it up with that instead oh, of being like, no, oh, we're just two goons that shitpost online and <laughs> talk through our nonsense without having written it down like that'd be terrible if we had to justify all these jokes thank yeah, god can you imagine having the time to write all these jokes oh yeah that'd be terrible uh cross out joke about <laughs> writing jokes <laughs> okay we did it moving along uh okay all right well we'll see you guys later thanks everyone yeah <laughs> bye <laughs>